Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Praise God with powerful worship. Today, what we're going to do is talk a few weeks about Jesus in the prophet Isaiah. So, Father, we pray that you would have your way, that you'd speak to us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah talked a lot about Jesus, and we're going to talk about how he was mentioned in Isaiah chapter uh, 7, chapter 9, and different places. Uh, Today, we're going to skip ahead to Isaiah 42 because we want to deal with the suffering servant. We want to deal with the attitude that Jesus had in order to be able to redeem us from the sins of the world. And we're going to go to a text that is quoted in Matthew, and that's in Isaiah 42. In Isaiah 42, starting with verse 1, it says, Behold my servant whom I uphold. My chosen in whom my soul delights, I will put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed will he not break, and a family burn and a and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. And so when we look at the Lord Jesus, obviously this was a prophetic uh, word about some of the behaviors and methods he was going to entail in his ministry. And so my objective today is to show the attitude and the method of being like Jesus in the earth And some key questions we could ask ourselves today is, do we repay evil for evil and insult for insult, just like the world, or am I behaving like Jesus? Because a lot of times we think about what Jesus would do, and a lot of times it has to do with ministry, but we need to think about how Jesus would act. We need to think about the process and character, not just his actions. And so in this day and age of political vitriol, where people are fighting each other on social media, half the country hates the other half, we need to revisit this servant of God called God's chosen servant in Isaiah 42. So we have to ask ourselves the question as Christians, am I being being empowered by God's spirit or discouraged by the events of the world? And as we look at the life of Christ, of which Isaiah speaks so much about, as we already said, Jesus raised no army, he wrote no books, he had no school, he left uh, nothing uh, of value in terms of real estate, he never left the vicinity of the region of his hometown in Nazareth, in Galilee, yet he influenced the whole world. So we need to learn from his methods. We need to learn how he was able to accomplish this. Because in the world's eyes, you would have to write a book. You would have to self-promote. You would have to go on the circuit. 
You would have to even raise an army, perhaps. But he didn't do any of that. This part of Isaiah was quoted in the context of Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 13 to 17, and then verses 22 to 24, verses surrounding this quotation. And so this was quoted in uh, Matthew 12, verse 18, and let's look at it. Look at the context, and Jesus said to the man, stretch forth your hand, and the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy, just like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. He didn't repay evil for evil. He didn't yell at them. He just withdrew, and many followed him. And what did he do? He wasn't filled with bitterness or anger. He healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. Instead of being a self-promoter, he was trying to stay hidden. And so he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So different from people who want social media or influence. We see somebody here who just humbly did God's will. Never repaid evil for evil. Resulting eventually in his death on a cross. Then they quote this same passage of Isaiah 42 in Matthew. And then right after they quote that, something else happens. Verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of the demons, that this man casts out demons. And so we see here that he was constantly attacked, especially by the religious fundamentalists. And uh, we find that Jesus' attitude was always to be that humble, broken servant of the Lord. And as we look upon this passage again in Isaiah 42 verse 1, it starts off saying, Behold my servant whom I uphold. It's amazing that God the Son was called the servant. Another translation could be slave. He made himself subservient, totally submitted to the will of his Father, even though he was equal to God the Father as part of the triune Godhead. So that's a profound statement. Behold my servant. There's so many of us who have to be lifted up, have to get first uh, uh, dibs on notoriety or our name being mentioned and want to be honored and everything. And you know, Jesus was just called the servant of the Lord, not even the friend of God at that point, the servant of the Lord. And he was so humble and he was so dependent upon his father. It actually says in Isaiah 42, 1, that the father had to uphold him. He had to hold him up. Because he wouldn't do anything outside of the Father, even though he was God the Son and equal to God the Father, in essence. Amazing. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, it talks about whom God the Father honors. Again, so different from what we see in the culture today. But thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Again, in the Isaiah passage here, 
we see whom God really honors. And it's so different and contrary to the way people uplift themselves and brag and try to be the strongest and the greatest and the wealthiest and the most uh, famous people. And uh, that's who the world goes after. But God says, no, 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 no. I go after my servants. I'm pleased with those that depend on me who are broken and contrite in their heart. And so he says that this servant that he upholds is his chosen. Again, Isaiah 42, 1, in whom my soul delights. Again, Isaiah 57, 15 talks about how God, even though he dwells in a high and lofty place, he walks and dwells and loves those who have a lowly spirit, contrite and lowly spirit. Uh, it says, do, do not let the wise man boast of his wisdom, the strong man boast of his strength, the rich man boast of his wisdom, but let he who boasts boast in this, that he knows me. That's what Jeremiah the prophet said in Jeremiah chapter 9, I believe in uh, somewhere like verse 27 and on. So God delights in those who in humility trust and depend upon him for everything. And along with that, God often allows us to live in tension because it, we sometimes need tension in order to depend on God. It, it, it's very rare where everything is just taken care of and we could just relax and rest and think, okay, I don't have any problems in my life. Those times are few and far between. Not even 50% of your, your life is probably like that. Most of us always have a, a very present challenge in our life that we're constantly having to think about or deal with. God allows it to happen so that we can depend upon him. And then he says, I put my spirit upon this chosen person. And so even though, again, we talk about Jesus as God the Son equal to the Father, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one essence with the Father, even though this is Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, we see that he still depended upon the Holy Spirit to anoint him to do the works of God. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 for a moment, starting with verse 1. Luke says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I've written about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he's talking about the gospel of Luke. That's what Jesus began to do. By implication, the book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do. So he began to do and teach until the day which he was taken up. And listen to this. And he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. Jesus couldn't even speak without doing it through the Holy Spirit. And he gave those commands through the Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he presented himself alive to them after his many days of suffering by many infallible proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me, but John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the same way Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit, we see in the book of Acts, it's a treatise about how now he handed his ministry over to the church and they were to depend upon the Holy Spirit. God begins uh, and ends with himself and those who are going to serve him have to do so by the Spirit. Continuing on in Isaiah 42, 
talking about Messiah, it says he will bring forth justice to the nations. So this son of God who was born in a lowly manger was called eventually to bring justice and peace to all the Gentiles. And the nations means ethnic people groups. And so what he's saying here in Isaiah 42 is this coming Messiah who eventuated in the first advent of Christ, in which we celebrate Christmas, this coming Messiah was going to eventually now bring justice and peace to all people groups, all ethnic peoples all over the world. So Isaiah was already prophesying that the gospel was meant for the whole world, not just for Jewish people. Very powerful. And then it talks about his method, this Messiah that was going to come. It says he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street, meaning he didn't self-promote he didn't strive, he didn't attempt to lift himself up, but he depended upon the Father to lift him up. Uh, Jesus even refused at one point to be made king. In John chapter 6, we see how people wanted to force him to become the king after he fed them the bread and the loaves because um, they wanted somebody who could provide an entitlement mentality, someone who could give them food without working. Sounds familiar today, doesn't it? Um, but Jesus refused, and most people would actually accept a promotion. Most people would accept being president or being king. Jesus refused because it was from man and not from God. Woe to the person who's lifted up because of man without God being behind it. Never let other people elevate you if God is not in it, because eventually God's going to humble you continues on about this suffering, humble servant, says a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. So this also shows how he walked very gently. A bruised reed he didn't break, meaning he didn't exert his physical power and brute strength to accomplish his purpose. Even though he could have called down a legion of angels, he walked in humility. The people that God is going to use today are those who walk in humility. Those who try to become celebrities, he will humble. Those who try to lift themselves up, he will tear them down. Those who put God first and humble themselves, God himself will exalt. And that's the prophecy about this coming Messiah. That's what all the Gospels is about. And we see snippets of the Gospels foretold in this book of Isaiah. I love uh, 1 Peter 2.20 when it encapsulates Jesus' attitude and verses 20 to 25. Peter says, What credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if you do good and suffer for it, you endure and endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For in this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. So we're not just saved by Jesus, we're called to live like Jesus. It says, he committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled or made fun of, he did not revile back. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, and now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So 
Our healing came as a result of him humbling himself and being wounded. How precious that is. We give our life for somebody else. We don't need the limelight. We don't need the glory. Our greatest call is to help other people fulfill their purpose. That's what the whole Christmas story is all about. It goes on in Isaiah 42, I think it's verse 3, he will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Coastlands represent the outermost parts of the world, the furthest away from uh, Isaiah's homeland, which is Israel. And so Jesus had his eyes on the mission, which is why he was faithful and able to bring forth justice. It says he was faithfully bringing forth justice. And so faithful has to do with the fact that you're committed, you're in covenant with your purpose, no matter what. Nothing's going to stop you or the church from fulfilling God's purpose if your eye is on the mission. And what is that mission? To bring forth justice. Uh, the individual reconciliation that we receive for Christ is a foretaste of the reconciling of the whole world. It is one day going to happen when everybody comes to know Christ. And Jesus totally subsumes the whole earth at his second coming with his glory. And uh, looking at Jesus, it says that he will not be discouraged until he has established justice. Well, he has established justice through the cross, through his death, burial, and resurrection. He didn't quit in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't quit. He didn't quit when uh, James and John were arguing over who's going to be the greatest a few days right before the crucifixion. He didn't quit when Peter denied him three times. He didn't quit when Judas Iscariot, his treasurer, uh, not only was stealing from him, but actually tried to betray Jesus with uh, the purchase of 30 pieces of gold and silver. And uh, so right before his greatest hour, you have all his disciples either betraying him or infighting. He didn't quit. He didn't quit in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, it's not my will, but your will be done, even though his soul was troubled even to the point of death and he sweat drops of blood and an angel had to come and strengthen him. He didn't quit when he went in the midst of all that. It says he will not grow faint or discouraged until he has established justice in the earth. And how was he able to do that? Well, because he was upheld by the Father because his Father's Spirit was upon him. And so we need to Understand that if we're going to fulfill the will of God, we're going to need to be humble. We're going to need to get strength from God's Spirit. There's a lot to be discouraged about in our life, but some people walk around in joy. Some people have the peace of God, and some don't. Why? It's not that the people who walk around in joy don't have problems. They have just as many problems and challenges and issues and circumstances against them as the next person, maybe even worse. The difference is they're going to God and they're being upheld by the Father and by His Spirit. So this Christmas, you need to come to Christ. You need to understand that only Jesus Christ is able to be the answer for your life. It would be a sad thing if you died without knowing Jesus Christ in your life, without receiving the free gift of eternal life. The Bible tells us 
that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, and that if you believe in him, you will not perish. You will not waste your life. You will not have an empty life. You will have a purposeful life, and you will have eternal life, which will never end. This Christmas, the greatest gift you will ever receive will be Jesus Christ. He is God's chosen servant. There'll be no other servants, no other prophets. God in times past spoke in many ways, in various ways in times, to the fathers through the prophets. But in these days, he has only spoken to us through his son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other name given among men by which we can be saved. So if you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose and he's alive, why don't you receive him now? Let this be the greatest Christmas, the greatest story ever told in your life can begin right now. If you believe Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I come to you. I thank you for dying. Thank you for rising from the dead three days later because you died for my sins. Jesus, come in my life. I'm yours. I surrender my heart to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer then it would be great if you would let us know. You could email us with the email address that's on the screen, and we'll help you. As Jesus said in John chapter 8, that if you continue in his word, then you are his disciples or his students, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And so we need to understand that even though you receive Christ, if you don't continue, you're not going to receive eternal life. It's, it's, you're not going to have what God has for you. Um, you could walk away from the Lord and that would be a tragedy. So we want to help you. We want to walk with you. We want to help you continue in his word. I hope you were blessed by this message. And I hope it encourages you to look through the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 42 is the key verse here. You could also read Matthew chapter 12 verses uh, 15 on and you'll see how it was quoted in the context of Jesus's life and ministry. God bless everybody. We love you. We hope to see you in person soon. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718 Four three six zero two four two extension zero.